You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Midway United Methodist. We please stand and worship with us? the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. If we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Surely in this place that we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals, we sing to the God who saves, we sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross. Up from that grave, my God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. The loss of the Lord's embrace. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in His place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out to praise. Oh, 
Grace Church. My name is Amanda Lane. I'm the associate pastor here. We are so glad that you are here and worshiping with us this morning. For those of you worshiping online, welcome. Go ahead and sign in in the comments. Let us know you're here and share the, uh, share the feed for us. Just a couple quick reminders about what's going on in the life of the ministry of the church. We hope that you will join us in worshiping God through mission, through service, through other opportunities that we have. A reminder that the 5K for missions is coming up on October the 9th. Um, let's see a hand. How many have signed up to run? Okay, this is more than the other service, but not enough. All right, okay, but, but, but how many of y'all have signed up to sit on your couch? All right, okay, so like I said, like I've been saying, you can sign up and support this ministry, this um, 5K, from your couch. Just sign up as a ghost runner. All the forms are in the back, or you can find them online. Um, we would love to have your, for, your support for Family Promise of Forsyth. Speaking of Family Promise, next Sunday, we begin um, a week of hosting. This time, we are moving back into the building. For a while, they have been over at a home. Um, we're moving back into the building, so we need a couple extra hands. You can find a sign-up genius in, um, in the midweek. We'll also post that online. Go ahead and sign up to help. Uh, bring dinners, help host, anything that you can do. Um, we will host three general conference information sessions September 26th, one on October the 3rd, and one on October the 10th at 3 p.m. We hope you'll join, uh, join us for those at, to find out more about what's going on at general conference in the upcoming years. And finally, if you've walked by this crate in the back, you see that it's filling up a little bit more, you have till next week to bring in your formula. Now, I told the 8.30 service, I'm still not really worried. I gave y'all a challenge. If we fill that crate up, Jenny, myself, and Morgan will be pied in the face. I'm not worried. Are you worried, Jenny? No, no we're not worried. <laughs> we think that we're going to have clean faces after this. So um, prove us wrong. You can also, if you don't want to go out and buy anything, you can donate. Just make sure you put Venezuela Now or Formula in there. Yes, ma'am. Next week, next Sunday is our deadline. So you guys have a week to, uh, to get it together to pie us in the face. We know that you can rally. We know that you'll do it. What a wonderful day it is for us to be here together in order to worship God. Let's take a moment to go to God in prayer. Almighty God, we come before you in this place to worship you, to glorify you, and to honor you. God, I pray that in this time that you would move in and through us and let your spirit be felt. Lead and guide us so that we not only worship you here, but so that we worship you in everything we do and say and are. In your name we pray. Amen.
children to come forward for our children's sermon this morning. We have any takers? All right. All right. Good morning, friends. How are y'all? Good. Okay. Um, I need some help. Who wants to be a helper? I need two helpers. Here, hold this. Natalie, will you be a helper? Okay. All right, so I am going to read some sentences, and I want you to tell me. We have a, a happy face, a happy face for a happy person, and a grumpy face for a grumpy person, right? All right, so I want y'all to tell me who you think would say these things. All right, would a grumpy person or a happy person say this? Where did you get that weird, old-looking sweater? What do you guys think? Grumpy person would say that, yeah. What about, you look nice today. Is that a new sweater? Happy. A happy person, yeah. Um, what about, I know your bike belonged to your older brother, but it's still in good condition. I bet you're glad you have it. Yep, smiley face. What about, you have an ugly old bike. Don't you just hate it? That one kind of gave it away, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, what about, the job you're doing is so easy. You must be a wimp. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So may I help you with that job? It's always easier when two work together. A smiley face. Yeah, you guys are getting this. How about this? Go away. Leave me alone. A grumpy, a grumpy person would say that. What about, can I please be alone for a while, please? A happy person would say that. Yeah. So it's, thank you, ladies. Thank you, my friends, for holding those. It's important that we know Grumpy faces and happy faces, right? So um, it's much nicer to say a kind word, to use kind words when we're talking to other people. 
And so the, book, the, the scripture that Pastor Jenny's reading today talks about taming the tongue, making sure we think before we speak. That's really hard. How many times have you guys said something and then you go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I do it every day. I know it's hard. But the Bible says it's really important to think about how we can use kind words. So I pray that as you go through this week, you will start thinking about how you can use kind words all the time. And when you want to, use, when you want to say grumpy things or mean things, remember this face. You don't want to be this face, do you? No, I would much rather be this face. All right, let's say a prayer. Dear God, we thank you for loving us, and we pray that you will help us say kind words and kind things, even if we feel grumpy. God, lead us and guide us. Amen. All right, thanks for coming up, you guys. You can go back to your seats. This morning, we have an opportunity to go to God in prayer and to lift up our joys and concerns that are on our hearts. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come before you this morning to lift your holy name, to praise you with our words, to celebrate you with our actions, and to celebrate you with our thoughts. But God, we know that we don't always use kind words. We're not always kind people. We don't always love you with our actions and we don't always have kind thoughts or compassionate thoughts towards others forgive us Lord for the times when we have said something we shouldn't say we've done something we shouldn't have done and Lord for the times that we've thought things that are unkind lead us back to you allow us to let kindness spread. Almighty God, we come before you and we thank you for the way that you are at work, leading and guiding us, leading us individually, but also, Lord, as a church. We thank you that you have not left us, but God, you continue to give your spirit to us, to show us the way, to help us live a life in love with you. And God, now we pray for those in our community who are sick. God, may we have a hopeful word for them. Lord, for those in our community who are mourning the loss of loved ones, God, may we have a peaceful word for them. God, for those who are lonely, May we offer a compassionate word to them. God, in everything we do, may we seek your kindness, your wonderful words. 
May we offer you to others as individuals, as a church, and as a community. God, we pray all of these things in your holy name. And we pray now the prayer that your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We now have a special opportunity to watch a short video that tells us a little bit about Wellroot. Um, Wellroot has been around for 150 years, and this video will explain more. We will be taking up a special offering above and, and beyond your regular offering um, today in order to support Wellroot and, and their continued ministry. Take a moment to watch this video. For 150 years, Wellroot Family Services has been faithfully leading the effort to transform the lives of children and families in Georgia. Through our programs, Wellroot is committed to the growth and healing of children, young adults, and families in and affected by the foster care system of Georgia. Wellroot first opened its doors in 1871. Its name at the time, though, was the Decatur Orphans Home. Its mission was to serve the needs of children who had been orphaned during the Civil War. Throughout the next 150 years, Wellroot remained faithfully committed to serving the needs of children and families in Georgia. Built on industry best practices, our Christian faith, and bold, new, innovative approaches towards child welfare, Wellroot is the longest operating faith-centered family services organization in Georgia. Wellroot's programs were designed to respond to the needs of children and families through faith-centered service. With a focus on supporting youth from infancy through early adulthood, we help people reach their God-given potential through the encouragement and love of a healthy home. It's such an exciting time to be a part of Wellroot and an honor to be leading the organization this year. We are celebrating our 150-year anniversary. That's just something that's even hard to get your head around, that 150 years ago, a group of people came together to make sure that children were cared for. And now, decades later, eight generations later, we're still serving kids and families throughout Northeast Georgia. Over the course of the past 150 years, we've served thousands and thousands of children and families. We've engaged thousands of churches and tens of thousands of volunteers in the work of, of being love in the world for kids. We have been faithfully committed to healing and loving and providing family for the children who, who often don't have that and kids who need it the most. It's really exciting to be able to come together and, and celebrate that history at this time and to plan and to and envision all that can happen in the future. Wellroot Family Services, faithfully committed to healing, faithfully committed to empowering, faithfully committed to advocating, faithfully committed to serving, faithfully committed to community, and faithfully committed to loving.
As I mentioned, we are receiving a special offering for Wellroot. If you would like to make a, a gift, go ahead and you can put on your check, Wellroot, or um, online, just choose the Wellroot fund. I'd like to add to what Amanda said about Wellroot. Um, last year, uh, last year, uh, Della De La Fuente passed away. She was a member of this church and she lived at the United Methodist Children's Home. Uh, and she, she was on the board of the, we got too loud or off, something in between. But she was on, served on the board up until her death. So when you think that this children's home doesn't impact people near us, it sure does. It was one of our own. So I ask you remember Della and perhaps give in her memory. Could you turn me down a little, Carl? Our scripture lesson comes to us from the letter of James, the third chapter, beginning with the first verse. Hear now God's word to us this day. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships, though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue. A restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives? or grapevine figs, no more can salt water yield fresh. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a television series that appeared on NBC for four seasons entitled The Good Place. Any of you watch it? Yeah, not many. That might be why it got canceled, right? <laughs> but it actually got a lot of awards. You know, it's a good. It's put on. It's produced by the same people that did The Office. So, very good series. And it's made about a cast of characters who make it to paradise. That is the good place. 
Among the characters who have made it are those we might expect, you know, a philanthropist, an ethicist, an angel, you know, all good. And then there is also a Buddhist monk named Jian Yu. Now, Jian Yu has taken a vow of eternal silence. He exists within each scene as someone who is wise, peaceful, and all-knowing, despite not saying a word. But, spoiler alert here, when he breaks his vow, his words reveal him to be anything but wise. He is a DJ from Florida, not a Buddhist monk. How did he fool everyone for so long? A completely bridled tongue. Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Proverbs 17.28 says, even fools who keep silent are considered wise. When they close their lips, they are deemed intelligent. Another wise saying often attributed to Lincoln or to Twain, um, probably an error, but it also promotes the wisdom of closed lips. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. James has some pointed warnings for us thus far in his letter. Specifically, he's warned us about the dangers of anger and of making distinctions between the rich and the poor. Now, in a succinct, comprehensive essay of 12 verses, he presents another dangerous pitfall to his overarching theme of being doers of the word. And that danger is loose lips. We have often heard it repeated that the tongue is the strongest muscle in the human body. This is actually a fallacy. In terms of brute force, the glutes are the strongest. And in terms of endurance, we'd have to say that the heart that goes 24-7 is the strongest. The idea that the tongue is the strongest muscle probably comes from the fact that unless someone has a disorder or has suffered a stroke, the tongue never tires. And the reason for this is because God created it with a system of multi-muscles so that at one place tires, another muscle will take over. The tongue's real strength, though, is not in its makeup, but its power to do good or to do evil. We can use it to bless God or use it to curse others, who James reminds us are made in the image of God. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words can never hurt me. We learn to sing as young children, but the older we get, the more we realize how great a fallacy these words are. Words do hurt. They may not send us to the emergency room to get an x-ray and, and a cast, but the sting of a word can echo down the hallways of time. A broken bone, you know, that can heal in a matter of weeks but the wrong words can.
can last a lifetime. This is why those in authority, like teachers in the church, are held to a particularly high standard when it comes to the use of their words. Not many of you should become teachers, warns James, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I once saw a pastor on a clergy site post that he only needs one hour to prepare a sermon. I thought, wow, he's either a spiritual giant or he's not taking seriously James' words about the weight of the words that preachers use. I wanted to say something back to him, but by the grace of God, I held my tongue or my keyboard clicks, as the case may be. I've heard a lot of good excuses over the years for why folks can't, you know, teach a Sunday school or, or lead a small group. But I've never had any of you lift up this verse as a reason. Of course, if you did, I'd be so impressed that I would insist that you are qualified to teach. Why are persons in positions of authority to be especially cautious in speech? Because the wrong words can lead others astray and cause untruths to infect a whole community. Not to mention even the whole world, given the World Wide Web today. You know, decades later, I can still remember the sting of harsh words spoken by a teacher or a professor. They've never left me. They come to mind, you know, unexpectedly, like a sting of a bee. I'm sure you too can call some thoughtless words that still sting. One spoken to you by a parent or a teacher, a coach, youth counselor, pastor, or other authority figure. And I ask your forgiveness if my words have ever hurt you. We all make mistakes when we speak. I'm glad James acknowledges our fallibility, that we all miss the mark either by omission or commission when our tongues start to wagging. Immediately, though, James seems to turn on a dime, calling us to perfection in speech. I've yet to meet a leader who has achieved such perfection. Even Jesus is reported in Matthew to have spoken harshly to a Canaanite woman in response to the woman's request for him to heal her daughter of a demon, he gives her the silent treatment. And when he does speak, at the insistence of his disciples, he says to her, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. If Jesus was perfect, could deliver such a cut down to a mother looking for help for her child. What chance do we have in bridling our tongue? But then I remember Claude Smithmeyer, a retired pastor from this conference. He took the 
uh, taming the tongue seriously. I'm, I'm having problems with my tongue today. I'm really trying. But Claude took taming the tongue seriously. He believed that we could, you know, strive for the sanctification of our speech. And because he did, he would call out other Christians when they spoke unkind words. If someone spoke ill of another, Claude would reach in his pocket and he would hand the person a black rock. And the person then would have to take it and put it in their pocket, you know, where they carried it around the rest of the day, being reminded of the error of their ways. And yes, I do have a couple of rocks at home that Claude gave me. One of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's rules for his underground seminary during World War II was to never speak um, of someone who is not present. To never speak of someone who is not present. James Howe of Myers Park United Methodist Church has put an addition onto that rule. He says, never speak of someone who is not present unless to praise. It's not a bad rule for a Christian community to live by. It's, it sounds a lot to me like Ephesians 4.29. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, so that your words may give grace to all who hear. Once on my husband's first Sunday as a pastor at a new church, I I was waiting for the service to start, and I couldn't help but hear, I wasn't eavesdropping, I couldn't help but hear what the ladies in front of me, their conversation, and I heard one of them say, what's his name? Herzen? What kind of name is that? I don't know, said the other lady, where is he from? Well, when it came time to greet one another, we all stood, they turned around, and I was eagerly put out my hand to say, Hi, I'm Herson's wife. <laughs> and they fell all over themselves trying to be gracious, you know. Because we in the church do life together and know each other so well and we're so comfortable, it's, it's easy for us to speak out of turn about one, another brother or sister. It happened to a teenager in one of my churches, she was uh, sitting in the sanctuary again before the service started. Be careful what you're saying before the service starts. But she was sitting there and she heard some other people talking disparagingly about her mother. How do you think that made her feel about the church? Taming the tongue is easier said than done. We can tame every animal on God's green earth except my puppy. But, says James, no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. James uses a few metaphors to speak of the power of the tongue. One is a bridle used to control the direction of the horse. The, the other is a rudder used to navigate a ship. Both are small objects that used properly enable us to reach a desired destination. 
The tongue is a small member, James concludes in this section, yet it boasts of great exploits. The other metaphor James uses is that of a forest fire. Those raging fires out west have burned millions of acres, as well as destroyed thousands of houses and other structures. But how did those fires begin? It only took a small spark. The tongue is a fire. It can speak words that spark a a war and set a world ablaze. My brother-in-law, Jason, is battling Lou Gehrig's disease. And when Jason begins his day, his, his words flow rather smoothly. But as the day wears on, his tongue slows with each passing hour. You know, one day Jason will likely have to rely on electronics to speak for him. Jason's challenges have made me realize how much I take speech for granted. When we are together as a family and Jason has something to say, we all stop and wait patiently as he slowly articulates his words. Jason has a wonderful sense of humor, so when he does, it's usually something that causes us all to laugh. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. James told us back in chapter 1. I wonder if we made it a habit to be quicker to listen and slower to speak, if we listen to understand rather than to respond and make our point. Wouldn't our words be more apt to bless others? Mary had grown up knowing that she was different from the other kids, and and she hated it. She had been born with a cleft palate, and she had to bear the jokes and the teasing and the, the cruelty of the children about her misshapen lip and crooked nose and garbled speech. She was convinced that no one outside of her family could ever love her. Until she entered Mrs. Leonard's class, Mrs. Leonard had a warm smile, a round face, and shiny brown hair. And while everyone in her class liked Mrs. Leonard, Mary loved her. This was back in the 50s when the teachers gave students an annual hearing test. Some of y'all remember that, if you're old enough. In Mary's case, in addition to her cleft palate, she could hardly hear out of one ear. So determined not to let the children have another reason to make fun of her, she would fake the test when it came to that ear. It was known as the whisper test. And it was given by having a child walk to the classroom door, turn sideways, and close one ear with a finger, and then repeat something that the teacher whispered. Mary turned her bad ear towards Mrs. Leonard and pretended to cover 
her good ear. She knew that the teachers would often say something like, the sky is blue, or what color are your shoes? But not a... <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> That's okay. The dogs won last night. That's why we're down in attendance this morning. It's a late game. But, um, so anyway, the teacher would say something like the sky is blue or what color are your shoes. But not on that day. Surely God put these seven words into Mrs. Leonard's mouth, words that changed Mary's life forever. Mrs. Leonard said, I wish you were my little girl. With the same mouth comes blessings and curses. It's up to us, my brothers and sisters, which our words will bring. Let us pray. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable in thy sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Help tame our tongues, Lord, so with our speech we will build up and our words may give grace to all who hear. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
darkness over every Go now in peace, and may you speak Jesus wherever you go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.